Recorded live. Hey, here we go. Carl here. <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Todd. How's it going, man? Good. There we are. There we are. We're clear. Good cool. to go here. Uh, yeah, um... Uh, well, first of all, I'll let you know, um, the way it's, I'm having issues with the uh, talk show right now, so I had to call you in, and it's okay. on now. It's recording. So if there's anything that you you don't want to uh, make public, that make sure not to share it now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, right, right. Yep. Yeah, okay. Good to go. Anyway, and, uh, for those who will hear this, <laughs> this is uh, old religion dystopia, knowing versus belief, and... Um, so acquaintance of mine uh, are starting to do some research in a series on the, the hardcore movement. And I said, like, you know what? I'm going to add my two cents in as well. And, uh, you know, uh, the 80s was a, an interesting time for me. Um, and it uh, turns out that the guy that's, that's on the call right now, Todd Swallow, it, it directly and indirectly it influenced me and my life as a as a teenager, which is really weird because I don't think uh, you even know me. I don't know. I, I, you know what I should do before we? Uh, you don't have to show me your mug, but I'm going to show you my mug, just so you know I'm a human being. You probably won't even remember. We're talking 30 years ago. It's so dark. Can you even see me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, Good. That uh, doesn't mean anything, I'm sure. But that just now you know I'm real. I'm gonna turn off the camera so we just talk. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, man, you know, the neck, you guys, you know, um, I don't know, you probably don't even remember the band that I was in. I was in a, uh, probably the most disliked hardcore band around at the time. There was majority of one. Oh, no, I, I yeah, I remember, no, I remember, that was a little bit after we, after us. Yeah, that's, you, that's the thing. You're, that's what I mean, you're, you're the influence on us, believe it or not. Yeah, I remember, your, your, your name looked familiar. Um. I'm not. I'm not matching the face to the name or or the band, but um, I was I I went by Mickey back then. I was Mickey the bass player. You know? so, yeah, right, right. So with the, I went to school with uh, uh, Eric Eric Blander and those guys. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I what's probably, interesting is you know probably, you're like I probably met you before. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Well, you know I. I'm sure I didn't impress you at the time as a teenager. So you, you're you're uh, probably <laughs> five, seven years older than me at the time. So you know because of that whole kind of thing. And I think I met you at a couple bar uh, a party or two. I think probably. Yeah. Yeah. You're still in hanging Sylvania. out in Sylvania. <laughs> yes, in Sylvania. So, but anyways, you know uh, the Necros. This is here. Uh, the, obviously, it made a difference in, in culture if you're. The name of your band is in the Wikipedia, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Necros were an early American hardcore punk band from Maumee, Ohio. Sounds and, about right. That's good. Yeah. They got the all they, right. And they were they, they, uh, although they are usually identified with the Detroit music scene, they were the yeah. first band recorded yeah. for Touch and Go Records. First band to be recorded in Touch and Go Records, is that correct? That's, that was uh, your... Up to the fix. 
I think the Fix yeah. were first, actually. So we were one, we were like the second record, but whatever. Now the the Fix were from Lansing, or were they from here? Lansing. Yeah. That's, okay. For some reason, yeah. I thought they were Toledo, but it's no. been thirty years ago, man. Just to remember this, it's just such a, a distant past. You know what I mean? I mean there, there was a large. There's a, there's a lot of networking going on between. I mean, you know, Mommy and then Kalamazoo and even Windsor and then up into Lansing and Detroit. So it was kind of a we kind of gyrated towards Michigan for some reason. Yeah, well, hard to say why. I mean, we at, at first we were maybe kind of gonna hang, we started hanging out in Cleveland, but then we soon discovered you know Detroit was a lot 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 a uh, little little bit closer, and Ann Arbor was way closer. <laughs> yeah, that was, only, that was only like a half hour, right? So forty five minutes like that. Yeah, yeah, right. <clears throat> so. Yeah, so uh, where do I go with this? There's so many questions to ask, but. Uh, uh, okay, when did the, the band first, when was it first established? When did you guys first create the band? Was it 79 or 80? Well, when did we first come up with the idea of the band? <laughs> yeah, or the idea of the band. That might be a better way of saying it, right? Probably in the back seat of my mom's station wagon on the way back from the skate park in like 1977, I would imagine. <laughs> well, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, we didn't really even start practicing until probably '78. I'm thinking, most likely late, late. Not that okay. we could play, not that we could play, but there was enough of a musical background with everybody where it, you know, it, it didn't. At least it didn't sound too horrible to us. It probably did to our parents I and, my, my, and my sisters. <laughs> Not my brother. My brother was implicit with the whole thing, so he was kind of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had the records, and his his friends had already. He was a little older, so they were they were already into punk, like '76. So who who so, were they listening? Who were they listening to in the '76? Were we talking about the Stooges and that kind of thing, or? Well, wow, no, we'd already. That was even earlier. We'd already heard all that stuff. That was when those records came out. So. You know, in '69, even and into the seven, early '70s, and you know, stuff like the New York Dolls happened. And but at the same time, my bro- my brother was a big Zappa fan and, and heavy on Hendrix and stuff like that. So, and my mom, my mom was the uh, my mom was a, a public school music teacher. So that's, 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 it was, it was kind of, it was kind of in the family, the whole music thing. Right. So it was uh. Was the drums were they like your your pick of first instruments? Uh, we, all started, we all started with piano, and then after that, we were allowed to play whatever we wanted. My brother kind of played bass for a little bit, and then switched to guitar. So, so that was actually the Toledo punk band that predated the Necros was the, the Dangling Abstractions. <laughs> the Dangling Abstractions. Oh, wow. No, the da- Dangling Abstractions. Oh, abstractions. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was my brother on guitar, and this guy Tommy Good on vocals, and Wade on bass, and I was the, I was the default drummer because nobody else could play drums. So. Well, that's that's what I was going to ask. Is that, you know why were you why did you end up being the drummer? Was it because at the end of the day you were? Well, like, yeah, right. They they knew <laughs> I could I, I, at least I could play like you know a Ramones or a Heartbreaker song. So that was, you know, and that was pretty much the set. 
that set was like, I don't know, it was like remote. It was like some Heartbreakers tunes and some Ramones songs and maybe a couple Dead Boys and some Stooges songs, I think. Oh, and then we yeah we got really complex when we learned the we learned the B side of a UK sub single, like the first oh, yeah. one, the first one, which was a little more which was a little more uh, it was a little more involved than, than your average uh, Ramones one two three four thing. So, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, so that so that was actually probably the first Toledo punk band, perhaps, maybe, if you don't count like I don't know, the London Boys or something like that, right? So <laughs> if you remember I don't know if you remember that band. I don't, maybe. I don't no. no I don't. Yeah, that was even early. they were it was like a band they were like a cover band like around seventy eight, like doing like dolls and dolls and sex pistols covers, basically. Or they that doesn't sound too punkish to me, but uh, it doesn't well, sound too hardcore. It doesn't sound too hardcore at all. Not, <laughs> not, uh, yeah, not hardcore, but punk. Punk was before hardcore, so. Right. By a number of years, you know, it was the whole, I don't know. What, what, what do you think would be the difference between punk and hardcore, in your opinion? I think hardcore kind of seemed to reject the whole rock and roll pattern thing. I mean, there's no such thing as a, who writes a 32 second hard or punk or rock and roll song, right? Right. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I mean, there's a little, you know, there's a little influence of of I think punk rock has a little bit more to do with like Chuck Berry, like you know, the Sex Pistols, for instance. It's just kind of it's like Chuck Berry riffs, right? Just kind of sped up a little bit, right? I don't know. The Ramones are like kind of it's kind of like the Ronettes with a buzzsaw guitar behind it. So, so it seems like hardcore was like more kind of its own. Nothing really sounds like that before. Maybe not that I recall. Not that I well, can right, read. right. I mean, there's a little. I don't know. There's a vague. Maybe the anger of the lyrics is kind of punk. But I mean, it did evolve from punk rock, right? It's just kind of like it became hardcore punk. Right. More well, punk because punk was dead at that point, at least as far as the general public was concerned. So it was only the hardcore people that were still into it. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is about even look at hardcore too. There seemed to be um, it was. How do I say this? I wouldn't say it was necessarily more underground, but it's what in some way it was. Uh, it was like you guess you mentioned earlier, it was a little more actually more rebellious than than the punk scene. Oh yeah, you're playing in a basement, right? Instead of you know the clubs wouldn't really have anything to do with it at first. No. It was like, you know, kind of just parties in your basement and shit like that. So So, you know, was it really a movement <laughs> or was just like uh, you know just some, you know I I mean I look at myself and you know, I was a punker or a hardcore—I I would call myself a punker, actually, hardcore. Uh, you know. Oh, you—you you were a punker. We were—we were all—we were all punkers. <laughs> at, least <in> the, <laughs> at least to the general public, right? Yeah. Of, whatever. Uh, but. but the thing is, uh, I'm just trying to figure this out because it kind of was there and then it wasn't. And I know that, like tomorrow, I'm going to have uh, Nino on, and uh, uh, another guy. Uh, uh, gosh, I'm sorry, Sean, 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 Sean 
Conan and, you know, Twitter and uh, like, so I represent like the eighties, they were, you know, represents the nineties and, and Sean is, well, and you were, you were kind of late, you were kind of later eighties, you guys. Yeah. Oh, it was We were already, we pretty much, we'd already gone metal at that point, then broke up and like, we broke up about 86, something like that. All right. So we were more, I think the whole, kind of the heyday of that early hardcore thing was like probably 1981, 1982. Well, this is interesting you bring up because you say you're more, uh, you turned heavy, heavy metal, you turned metal, I should say. Uh, but what was the feedback? What is, how did, how did you, how did people <laughs> respond to you? Because, you oh, know, the metal, uh, the metal thing. Yeah, because, well, I, if I'm not mistaken, now don't quote me on this, but I was, Trying to reflect back to the song we wrote. I think we even wrote a song about you guys, but I think you did turn. Yeah, prob- it prob- probably. And uh, we were so because you know uh, you know how you're, you're kids and you you know looking for we had a, I don't know you're it's I know it's so strange to say now, but at the time, Todd, you guys were like our idol. <laughs> and I don't think you even realize that you know what I mean because no one ever well, really yeah, talked that then, way. And then, we, and then we grew our hair out and went heavy metal, so it was like I don't know. But it was, I don't know, I thought, it, I thought it was a pretty honest, it was good heavy metal at least. It was just like, it was just Motorhead with shorter songs, basically, for the most part. Right. I mean, whatever. I guess we we learned how to play, so we were just kind of sowing our oats, and we kind of had, it's like, we kind of helped invent that whole thing, so we kind of rejected it after there was 8 million bands that all sounded the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, so, you know, know. If you get a chance, uh, part one I did with me, you know, we were talking about that. And, uh, I mean, ironically, uh, on, those, on those tours, we, we weren't metal enough for the Megadeth crowd. And we weren't punk enough anymore for the Circle Jerks crowd, even though the Circle Jerks had go, had, were playing the exact same stuff, like kind of a slowed down, like pseudo heavy metal, but which was funny. I mean, you know, so we were just kind of caught in the middle. Like, I don't I think... The, I think I think our our base like group of fans like went along with it, especially in like Detroit and stuff like that. But uh, in general, I think it, it kind of like was a flop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I I don't know. I mean, if you're if you do what you do, if you're a musician, you're just gonna follow you you know what yeah, yeah. promptings you have. It's, it never was about the popularity contest, anyways. So you know, do do which. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe even a Crowley-esque kind of do without will type of thing, but but not really. It wasn't really that. It was more just you know, let's just play music, man. Let's just play music. But uh, hey, but the thing is, um, looking at uh, let's go back to uh, the beginning here. So you say you guys really started the Necros seventy-seven, seventy-eight, the concept, and really, what you guys, yeah, what you guys the start first. The first show was uh, at the Brass Bell. On Bancroft, there there used to be the bar there uh, on campus. Right, Pub University is probably where you remember it as. Uh, remember that place? I do remember that. I remember, I remember the, yeah, yeah. Cypress like, uh, Lounge. Uh, Halloween, Halloween '79 was the first Necro show, actually. Uh, at least, well, in a, at least in a public place. <laughs> Besides, well, yeah. from my mom's basement. <laughs> Wikipedia just needs to update their. Uh, their history of you because they say you were formed in 1980. 
Yeah, that was a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> so, uh, I'd say the band probably the band probably actually we probably played our first practices like probably the summer of '78. I would imagine just fucking just kind of just kind of fucking around. Well, yeah. So, well, tell, tell me about this. How did you guys meet, and what was the you know? Uh, yeah. So everybody met at church in Wami, uh, probably. It's just really that, funny. That that, that, <laughs> that that maybe skateboarding, one or the other. Hard to say. Right. Like maybe everybody. I don't know. I think everybody. I, I know. I I know Corey's. Corey went to my church, for sure. And then, and then I think Andy and Barry kind of did, but new people. So they kind of hung out with the youth group, which was, you know, pretty, which was like, you know, like they go to like the roller rink and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember the roller but, rink. That was way yeah, back then. Well, Ohio State, yeah. On, on Reynolds there. So, <laughs> oh my um, gosh. And I, I think I remember, I remember Barry and Andy at a skateboard demo at the library. Mommy, like a, they had like kind of a pseudo skateboard team and they did like a demonstration at the, at the library and stuff. And then I later, I later ran into them at the, at soaring high, the skateboard park that opened. So it was kind of skateboard, skateboarding was kind of the catalyst. And through that, everybody kind of like, you know, music was kind of like part of the whole deal. Right. But so, yeah, part of the deal was, you know, if you're going to be a skater, was to maybe we should start a band type of thing. And uh, well, or at least had to be into music, right? And then, right. Then the, then the punk thing kind of happened. So, but we were already we were already into like heavy music at that point anyway. Albeit more kind of like like Sabbath and Nugent and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's one thing. I, that's one thing I noticed too that a lot of folks were. I mean, a lot of folks in and the the hardcore scene or the punk scene, whatever. Uh, a lot of them actually didn't even listen to punk. A lot of them were more influenced by Sabbath. That's what I was thinking. Well, uh, and then the Stooges and the MC5 and the Dolls before that, and stuff like that. Just kind of like heavy, like just kind of like heavy, heavier, loud music. Right. Like you know, it was kind of a Detroit Detroit thing, and you know, Toledo's right next to Detroit, so. So. Um, do you um, do you ever wonder uh, like how this all came about, like this whole punk movement and who was behind it all, and who do you think was behind it all? <laughs> yeah, uh, who's behind it all? Or what like, was behind it all? <laughs> was it just some really was it was it was it really organic or? My impression is is like like the Toledo scene, you know, late seventies, eighties, uh, the Detroit scene. Maybe I'm being biased because we're from that scene. That to me it seemed organic. But the further you went east, like the D.C. area and New York and all that, and uh, the college towns, it almost seemed like the somebody was pushing it a little bit more than us. Sometimes I don't know, like what what year? I mean, there was a bunch of a Toledo scene in the late '70s, really going on. Detroit was kind of like this kind of post glam punk thing going this is all this is all before hardcore happened yeah i mean the detroit thing was just like a bunch of holdovers for the whole stooges scene basically and a more glam kind of punk thing and then you know um i don't know 
I mean, East Coast. East Coast has a whole. We had that whole college radio thing going on, like in the '90s, right? <laughs> right. Especially, especially on the East Coast and all the college towns. So that that seemed that seemed fairly packaged, if if in a way. So like you know, we got to create a music scene so we can sell records or something, yeah. <laughs> right? I, mean, I don't know. Who knows? Well, yeah, but did you? Uh, so it's almost like. Uh, Either we were just went, uh, we were literally were underground. A lot of us uh, in the '80s, it seems. Uh, you know, with touch and, touch and go records. Did you guys start that, or was that who actually started that? Tesco. Tesco did. Tesco actually did. Yeah. Did you did you start start with him, or did no no? He started it on his own for him and his. His sidekick DS. So out of the magazine came the record label, and then eventually Corey kind of kind of took the reins of the record label and kind of ran with it. And Tesco just kind of led him, basically. I mean, you know, Corey was a little bit more motivated. It seemed Tesco was more and more kind of wanted to do the V-Man and stuff like right. that rather than run a record label. So. And that's how we just, were. That's how we were involved, just because Corey ran the record label. So, you think that's the only reason why you're on a record label? You think? <laughs> well, I mean, that, we were, well, no, Tesco. We were on it before Corey took it over. Right. So we'd already, you know, we did that first single before, or even the second one was kind of before. Corey really didn't take it, didn't take the reins until after the Me Men album came out. So it was a while. And stuff. So that was weird how that all happened. I mean, and then well, Corey, ended up, Corey ended up quitting at some point. You know, we were still on the record label, even though there was a bunch of tension. So, as always, isn't it? It's like yeah. it was the kiss, the kiss of death <laughs> of a band is actually to make an ep, an album. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe. It seems to be that way. I mean, you guys, you know, you were only around for what five years. Maybe. Uh, well, seventy nine to eighty six. So, seven years. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what was it like for you? I'm 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 very curious. I'm sorry if I grill you all these questions, but I'm really I'm trying to figure this this moment in time, uh, not only culturally uh, how it affected us, uh, but also how it affected me. I mean, you know what I mean? Because it was like I have to oh, tell yeah, you. Right. It was like uh, a lifeline for me, and I don't know for you. Maybe you had a much a better childhood or whatever. But for me, it was like um, we get home from school as a teenager. What do I, mean, what do I do? Well, I uh, I put on this yeah, a tape cassette of uh, the Necros or um, Bad Brains or whoever. You know what I mean? And just to, just try to get through another uh, a day of life. You know what I mean? With the total onslaught of or the society, the culture, I couldn't stand it, you know, from what we call the public fool system to the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. television <laughs> to the, what's on the radio. It was a total insult, an assault to one's, uh, talk about sensory depredation, but it's not really that. It's more the over, it's like being in a Guantanamo <laughs> Bay where they're, they're just pumping, uh, the music you can't stand and everything else in your head on a constant basis. So to me, it was like, it was in a w- weird way, a therapy for me. 
And oh, it was sure. like, yeah. yeah. So what what was it for you? I mean, what what was it? Did, but it's just kind of a release of your aggression and stuff in a positive way rather than, you know, we, you know, we didn't want to be like the jocks and be all violent and stuff like that. Kind of, you know, we just kind of saw them as Nazis and stuff like that because they usually like fought their way out of a, out of an argument or something like that. But I guess oh, yeah. the, the music was just kind of a, I wouldn't say it was a distraction, but yeah, just a release for your for our, our you know a bunch of energy. I mean, the same thing with skateboarding, really. So I mean, those you know those were pretty much the two things that we were into. Kind of give it for at, me at, gave that me, po- at that point in time. It gave me some meaning to my life, even if it was short lived. And uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, you know what I mean. It gave me some meaning. Yeah. And, uh, here's the guy, you know, uh, you know the dream. And the whole idea of the making it big on your own and just doing it on your own terms and just and I this is one of the things you brought up earlier too about there's like a a, a thousand bands all sounding the same uh, like your, oh, the necros the necros <laughs> really influenced us but you know when we first started out it's like and it's always been that way so it's like you know what I got the most out of you guys was not so much that I wanted to sound like you, but that I could do my own thing, you know, or we could do right. it. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. On our own terms is really what's, if there ever was truly, I, what I think hardcore is, is really, is not conforming to anything and to anybody, any groups, any movements, but just doing your own thing. And, um, so, but it, it really, by the nineties, it all, everyone was trying to sound the same. You know, well, it was just what we thought of everybody by the mid '80s. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. So it was like it just kind of I don't know. It's, and so you guys decided to go in a different direction with the metal thing. So, but yeah, but it's just uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the days and times of being in the Necros, if you can even remember. I mean, it's hard to believe how long it's been, man. You know what I mean? That there's probably guys that are grandfathers now already. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, and could be, I could I could be a grandpa, I guess, if I had a kid, <laughs> that, a kid that had a kid. But none, none of that, though. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, everything still seems pretty fresh in my memory. So, not. Which is a good a, thing. It means that it actually it, it had some warm and positive meaning. Oh, towards sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, which a lot of people would not understand, wouldn't even understand, would they? They would be like, yeah, these guys, I mean, look at the name and look at that album cover and look at that, <laughs> just that and look at the songs, you know. These guys yeah. got the most negative group of people ever were. And uh, I don't know, maybe you were at the time, but I don't know, you look back at it, it's like, you know, I, 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 there was something, there was something, magical about it and so tell us about that if you can recall what was the magic oh i don't know um shit. <laughs> um it seems like everything just kind of happened like and, and you know good things keep kept happening and then after well then a bunch of bad things kept happening <laughs> <laughs> with the whole i mean we you know we didn't have a record label for like two years so we just kind of hit the road and stuff 
Um, you know, I don't know. It would be nice if uh, nice if the records could get re-released. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, probably. But no. well, one more that is too much too, many, too much arguing. Not by me, but <laughs> by other people. Well, who who owns the the rights to all that stuff? Uh, Touch and Go. Which is still who's who owns that now? Is that Jeff Corey? Yeah, it's still Jeff. Jeff Corey still owns it. Um, it's, I don't know what, who were some of the cool guys that you met out, out on the scene before we even get to the misfits and all that. What what, uh, what are some of the guys you remember the oh, most? Oh, DLA, Canadian band. Um, yeah, are they black, from uh, Black Flag people, uh, Vancouver. Vancouver is it. Yeah, yeah, and the black flag people and the circle jerks people. Oh, well, bad brains, minor threat. All those. So you, all, all. And I mean, like you said, the misfits as well, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like, like, uh, say, like uh, Ian McKay and uh, minor threat. How did you guys meet? Did you? At a show somewhere in the Midwest? Uh, I think we. Got a C. Dial's record in the mail or something for the fanzine we were doing. So everybody just started writing each other back of stuff. Then we just decided to take a trip to D.C. at some point to catch the. Uh, we were we were playing with the Circle Jerks in New York. And Minor Threat was playing with them and. DC, so we decided to go check the DC show out before our show, and then the, the, all those guys came up to New York and checked us out. So, so that was pretty cool. Just kind of started networking. <laughs> so, a little, little DC Detroit connection at that point. Right. What, what was it? What now? Go. I was going to ask you what you know. So we have this. You know, I, I always like to joke that you know Toledo was like the ugly stepchild of the, the hardcore scene. I, I'm <laughs> probably probably wrong about it, but you know, it, people are always passing through. Let's put it that way. So one way or another, it was because of '75 or you know, or wherever they were going. But Detroit, yeah. Lansing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you you meet Ian McKay. <clears throat> what was he like back then? I mean, when you first met him. Uh, just but a cool guy, you know, just a cool guy. Um, you know, pretty energetic. There's a lot of, you know, everybody was very energetic. <laughs> yeah. A lot of energy going on. So, especially at the shows and stuff like that. So, and uh, he was very supportive, um, you know. Where do you, where do you think the, the pumping heart, if you will, the, the mecca center of this? was in, in the states at the time was it dc well at least on the east coast probably right. and, so, and then, you know dc and boston and new york i would think at least on the east coast uh the midwest probably you know detroit and more uh, chicago maybe ah. and then of course the west we got the west coast cities so, which was always pretty happening. Did you guys? So, did you guys? Did you gig out in the, the in Chicago? Did you? Uh, uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. 
I, I don't recall that much going on in Chicago as far as, but that doesn't mean it didn't. It just, I don't recall. Well, it depends on, you had the whole, Puffy Go ended up moving there, like, by the by the end of the 80s. So, that, that whole that whole thing kind of started happening with, with, like, Big Black and the Jesus Lizard and stuff like that. Right. And, of course, then, of course, you had the hyenas, like, still on Touch and Go, even though they were from Detroit or Ann Arbor. Uh, well, I, I would remiss if I don't ask you the question about uh, – uh, you keep popping your, your your camera on and off, but <laughs> Yeah, okay. okay. Unless you want to – you want me to look – we can look at each other if you want. Uh, yeah, the uh, – I was going to ask now. Oh, yeah, the Misfits. Now, you know, part of the thing uh, – that you're known for is you guys playing and opening up for the Misfits and that kind of thing, right? And uh, that's apparently you did you play drums for the Misfits as well a couple times? Uh, they didn't have in New York, in New York City and the Macros were opening. They didn't have a, they didn't have a drummer at the time, so basically they they needed somebody to sit in for the show was already booked. Googie had already quit. So I kind of I kind of went to uh, went to New Jersey for a few days early and just did practice the set a couple times and then just did the show. So right. I played it. I played a sound check before a few months before anyway. So I think they figured they figured I could ha- I could handle it. So <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't a problem really. No. I just, uh, you know, that's one of the things that you see on the Wikipedia as well. Um, and it's the right. people hey, Ted's Well is famous for p- oh, playing drums for, for uh, the Misfits. <laughs> then the last, well, the last show too, the dan- the show in Detroit with dan- the last Danzig show. So when the drummer, the drummer that they had couldn't uh, make it through the set, so he was right. kindly Doyle escorted them off stage into the back, and then. We're, the Necros were opening for that too, anyway. So I was already there. So I was pretty much I was pretty much summoned to take over the rest of the set. Right. What, 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 remember what year that was? Was that? Uh, uh, that was eighty three. Eighty three. The other one was eighty. Well, yeah, probably earlier eighty three. The other, I think, the other show, the New York show, was eighty two. So. Uh. I think the first time the, Necro, the Necros opened for them in Detroit, like in '81, I think, like late. So that's where that's where we ended up meeting them. Right. Well, you know, when you look back at this this time, did you ever think that you would be? Did you guys would influence so many other bands? Uh, no, not really. We we're just kind of doing our thing. All right. You know. Well, looking back. Right. Well, looking back now, is it hard to believe that you guys influenced so many bands? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a little weird what happened. I mean, I mean, just the whole, you know, there's a lot of other bands that are influencing people other than us too, right? That probably didn't expect to be, like, in the position that they're in. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a little strange, but that's okay in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it was a good way for me. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Until I got sick, it was you know that's what I did up to the time I got sick was playing bands, right? Yeah, music. Yeah. And, Always wanted that that spirit never left me. Yeah. As far as writing original music and and uh, 
pushing the limit the best that I I can under uh, you know basically shoestring budget and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, well yeah, this is like the first time I haven't been in a band in like thirty five years. So oh, you're not yeah, playing like, at all? No, not really. So um, the band out here uh, he ended it about a year ago, and then the last band that was still based in Toledo like broke up a couple of years ago. So I was still going back to Toledo like four or five times a year, probably. Really? So wow. yeah, up until a couple of years ago, even after I moved. So. So you you live in California now. What what was what drove you to California? Oh, my 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 wife uh, moved out here, yeah. or got relocated for her work. Right. So we just decided to go for it, and kind of you know. Which was good, yeah. I don't really want to, don't want to move back. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you you don't miss the cold weather and the rain and uh... no, no. <laughs> and I'm gonna, la- I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. So got cool. my my mom's uh, 90th birthday, so I'm flying back for that. That's nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you, do you still uh, meet meet up with the old crew? Any of the, any, any of the folks from the old crew? Uh, just Andy's left in, 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 he lives in Perrysburg. So he's about the only one back there. Barry, Barry's in Chicago and Corey's in Seattle. Ron's up in Detroit. Right. in negative approach. They're on tour a lot. So, so is that true? The negative approach, their first gig was in your basement. Oh yeah. Uh, on River Road. <laughs> or my mom, my mom's basement, I should say. Yeah. So, pretty cool. The funnier show, the funnier negative approach show was in somebody's basement in Perrysburg where, I don't know, a bunch of stuff happened. Some girl's head got, like, hit, like, thrown through, like, this paneling, like, wall. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like this full-on, like, you know, punk rock riot in the basement. Like, you know, about four or five cop cars came and the whole, yeah. But they couldn't really arrest anyone because nobody was. Everybody was like straight edge, so it was like, <laughs> "What are you? What are you gonna do?" Right? It's just kind of, yeah. It's just some it was pretty fun. It was pretty funny though. <laughs> was it? A, was it a cat fight? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> her, her, her head just ended up going through like this little th- th- thin wall of paneling, like that was separating like the stair. You know how it would be down going down a stairway. There'd be like a wall right there. Yeah. So, needless to say, yeah, the Necros didn't get to play because, you know, it was it was over after about the, it was about the second negative approach song, and then the party was pretty much over. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. yep. <laughs> you got any, any other good little t- uh, tales to share? Oh, about I don't it? know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Just ask about. <laughs> <laughs> that's about that's probably about as good as they get actually that well be, yeah you know nobody's even playing in a club at that point it's playing playing stupid little parties in basements so did you guys play at the uh, Cypress Lodge uh, the Necros never did I've played there before in other things but yeah the, the Necros have, they never ended up playing there because I know in the, in the well, I guess at our time there was a little a little punk scene going on there. Oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
I know one of my one of my joke bands opened for the Descendants at the Cypress. I'm pretty sure. Doing like I don't know, we just put a bunch of covers together and stuff like that. Since Steinberg was like booking those shows usually. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was easy. He was easy, pretty easy to manipulate. John was to get on the bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was. I remember. I tried to get a hold of him. Was, remember he like he got uh, all of a sudden him and Mark Michaels so they yeah. making commercials and little uh, jingle. Oh, that jingles. whole thing. That whole yeah. thing. The, the Mountain Dew thing where they made a bunch of money off of it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. How did they? How did they make so much money? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, they just they just marketed something, and they ended up Mountain Dew ended up using it for a commercial. So, and then MTV they they used some of their stuff on MTV. Yeah, and, I think they did, didn't they? Something. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, the Sun, I remember the Sun. I used to like them a lot. Now, wasn't there some guys from the um, Minor Threat that were? Part of the Descendants. The Descendants came from somebody. Where do they come from? Which band? Was uh, the drummers from Black Flag. Sometimes. That's it. That's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Bill, 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 the drummer. What? What about? Uh, they were on. They were on the Minutemen's label. The Descendants were. So it was. Everybody was kind of intertwined. They weren't on FST really, but they were on. You know. But the Minutemen were on FST. So. Yeah, it was just kind of that. You know. That whole black, it was the black flag crowd. <laughs> well, that's just going to ask you. What about them? You know, I know you you opened up for them or played a couple gigs with them, right? Oh, about I don't know, probably about. I probably played with them about eight or nine times, maybe ten, about ten. Yeah, something like that. Is that was that was that before Rollins or after? Uh, we played a couple shows with Des. And then after that, those are the only nobody ever t- they never toured with Ron or Keith really. So yeah, so a couple shows with Des, then a, then a bunch bunch of other ones with Henry. Right. So they actually opened for us once in, on Christmas Day. It was us and the Misfits playing in New Jersey, and then Black Flag wanted to be on the bill, so they ended up going on first, which was kind of cool. It's like, yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Were you guys good friends then? With the Black Flag uh, yeah. You know, I mean, they always wanted us to open at least for a number of years there. Probably until, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk about any, any Black Flag politics. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> might, might, might incriminate me. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I can no understand that. I, I think we were. I think we were looking at FST for a while as a label, but then word got out that they didn't really pay anybody. So it was kind of like, you know, we were just kind of like, we don't want to be on a record label that doesn't get, pay you. That that would suck. <laughs> uh, right. So. Well, what, kinda... what 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 was Des like? Oh, he's cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Totally cool. Totally cool dude. What, how, how did he pass away from? Was it? But Drug overdose, or was it? Uh, He's not. He didn't pass away. Well, what happened? How's the rumor is that he, he passed away? What he happened? Was, he was. He was sick. I think he's. I think he had cancer. Stuff. So, yeah, he didn't end up passing away. He's okay. He's still. I think they're. 
they're waiting to do a fl- uh, flag is waiting to do a tour here after the descendants are done with their tour or something. Okay. So they're still banging yeah, it out. They're still doing it, huh? Well, flag as flag, right? That thing. It's not black flag. It's flag because they can't use the black flag name. But you know, <laughs> uh, is this this has anything to do with Henry at all? Uh, no, no, it's Keith. Keith. Okay. The, it's Keith and the guitar player from the Descendants, and Billy from the Descendants, and then Chuck and Des just doing Black Flag songs as Flag though. It's been a they've been they've been doing it for like it's been about five years now. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, you know, I, I totally, you know, this which sparked which sparked Greg Ginn to like do a Black Flag tour a couple of years ago with Ron, the guy who sings on Jealous again, which was interesting. I didn't go see it, but people said it was really strange. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Greg ended up playing like a theremin on stage and stuff like that, like doing just a little bit of weirdness. Huh. So who knows? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it. You can see it on YouTube if you want. It's it's all on there. <laughs> so there's some good flag stuff though on YouTube. So it's pretty authentic. I mean, the guitar player plays like you know Dan Armstrong. You know, through through whatever. I mean, it sounds you know. This is just a black flag cover band, I guess. I don't know. It sounds pretty cool to me. So. Well, how did how did really Henry Rollins get involved with Black Flag? Do you know? Oh, uh, he'd already met them, like in DC and stuff, when they were on tour. Did he kind of so, just like? Well, I think SOA. I think SOA opened a couple times. Uh huh. So and, and then, then they were just in need of a singer, and they and they liked him. So that was as simple as Des, that. Des, 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 Des didn't want to sing anymore, so they. Just, I think they wanted to get somebody that was. Kind of from out the outside, not from California, right? So yeah. Okay, and I'd also be remiss without uh, talking a little bit about V, Tesco, Tesco V. Um, what was it like being around him? Is he? Cause you know, there's a fr- I'd love to have him to interview him as well. Um, oh, he'd probably do it for you if you reached out to him. Yeah, he's, I have. He's, he's easy to find. He's still face on his Facebook, or he just uh, yeah, he's on he's on Facebook, yeah, yeah. Well, I've reached out to him, but he hasn't haven't heard yet. But um, yeah, now we just met yeah. him through Touch and Go, the fanzine, and we had a, we had a fanzine, Spangma Journal, that we uh, and we I think we just traded copies, and then we just started writing each other, and then we eventually hooked up and we came and visited them and stuff. So. So is he really as crazy as he tries to present himself to be? I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty wacky. He is pretty wacky. <clears throat> he could be. I mean, more it's more an onstage persona. <laughs> right. Oh, that's what, that's what I was asking. Because it seems. To, I mean, this, he started. He was a school teacher, right? He was pretty. Wa- he was pretty private, really, in reality, with his wacky hijinks. So yeah, he was a school teacher. So. Was part of the whole. So he, I mean, he thoroughly corrupted us. That's for sure. So, yeah, well, tell me more about that. How did he thoroughly well, corrupt? No, I mean, just just encouraging us to be, you know, kind of like punk rock, right? Just be as, <laughs> as, 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 you know, uh, right. Yeah. So, 
Uh, was it being was it was it just being uh, obnoxious or was it uh, yeah was pretty it pretty pretty much just trying to be well, as obnoxious and as punk as possible right <laughs> well you know it's an important thing and you see a lot of these people and you know there's there's the younger crowds that have been influenced one way or the other and um, and <laughs> like you you know you, you brought up a stage persona uh, and you know a lot of it was not necessarily real as uh, say the fan may think, you know, in other words, right. uh, you yeah. know, yeah. we weren't really promoting a lot of these, uh, um, maybe not, not to the degree that people thought, you know, we were, we weren't really the, ba- the, the ambassadors of decadency that, uh, the vague, or maybe played the part to be, but you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, most guys that I knew that, if you ever got to know them, they were just like everyone else, you know, <laughs> same old problems, same old issues, same old everything. So they just were in a punk band. That's what they did, you know. Yeah. Just like some guys played, uh, I guess, you know, soft on a softball team or whatever. We played punk, you know. Uh, but it was that's I guess eventually that's what it turned out to be. But I think in the beginning, there were some motives behind it all, and that's it was a rejection, but it was a rejection from. Mainstream rejection. Well, yeah, and Tesco. Tesco's dad was the superintendent of schools, or something like in in Lansing there. <laughs> so, yeah, he, you know, he was he was pretty. Uh, he was well, so definitely def, def, he was definitely trying to rebel against that. Do you so, think it was because of his dad, the influence of his dad? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was definitely wanted to be the exact opposite of what his. His dad was he. He had like a, I don't know. He had like a two foot afro in like 1974, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that's hard to right. believe. Well, that's so hard. Know, right, and he was like you know, and in, heavily into like glam, you know, and, and you know, and majorly into drugs and stuff. At least the right drugs, at least. So, yeah. Um, it was a good. He was he was the right person to corrupt the necros. I thought. So. <laughs> I mean, did he like per, perfect, did, right? Did he? But did he actually really corrupt you guys, or he just? Well, I mean, gave you know. gave you car plunks like car car plunk. Yeah, I can't even say it now. Uh, uh, yeah, he gave us the license do what he always wanted to do anyways kind of thing he gave us right he was kind of our i mean in a way he was kind of our malcolm mclaren at least for a year or so just kind of molding our little mind you know turning us on to good good music and stuff and stuff like that encouraging us to be punk rock (laughs) so so it it was a good thing (laughs) that's you know that was the lansing scene so that's you got to the fix Meet which man. kind of morphed which kind of morphed into I mean Lansing and Ann Arbor and Detroit were kind of all intertwined with Kalamazoo a little bit as well like all, all the all those and you know and, and Ipsy so you had all those college towns kind of in, in Michigan Mount Pleasant not so much but it's <laughs> <laughs> a little up there so was it uh, 96 or 94 is it connects them all and um you're right. Um, and well, people, yeah, people people would people would come from you know Kalamazoo to go to shows in Detroit, and vice versa, and stuff like that. 
and we were kind of just down. And there wasn't really anything happening in Toledo. We was we just kind of went up to Michigan to whatever was going on that night, or if we were playing somewhere. So, what, what, how how big were the shows in, in in like Detroit at the time? How big did they get? Well, like when, depending. I mean, it started growing. I don't know. The clubs like started letting us play in like 1980, I think. So okay. by 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 81, 82, the hardcore scene was, you know, it was like a couple hundred kids probably. A couple hundred. Well, that's still not a lot. So no, but <laughs> I just wonder if it, if there were ever. Like, it, it, it looked like a lot when. Well, it got bigger after that. Even that was like more in '83 that it really started to kind of. By '83, it had ballooned to maybe like 600 kids, and then it kept you know, and then you got the whole just that DIY music thing kind of happening, right? And so, uh-huh. and just you know, by the time next thing you know, I don't know, the Jesus and Mary chain are playing St Andrews Hall, and there's like two you know two thousand people there, right. stuff like that, <laughs> shit like that, right? So yeah, and you know, it's just kind of the way shit happens. Which is, but you know, but radio didn't really have anything to do with it. Which was, good, you know, it was more of a, it was pretty organic, I guess. The yeah. Detroit scene, at least. Eventually, Toledo. Not- eventually, Toledo had a punk scene, right? Because it didn't at first. <laughs> it was like there was like nothing. Well, how long did that last? That punk scene? That wasn't very long either. Even Toledo scene. So, um, well, that's my impression I got. You. Depends on what you you know. Um, I was still, I was still in bands in Toledo in the '90s and stuff that didn't do anything besides play at Frankie's, right? I mean, right. aside from the, aside from the hyenas, I, at some point I was in like, especially the late '90s, we were doing like, kind of like heavy psych, like space rock and stuff like that in the shoegaze scene. So, interesting. Well, how how do you? You know, from your observation, looking at the Toledo scene, what is, um, I mean, it seemed like there were, at least to me, of course, I live here, uh, and it seems to me like the late 80s, early 90s was the peak, for me, at least. Uh, although there was some stuff in the late 90s going on a little bit around the turn, and then in the early 2000s, but... And even recently, I mean, like I said, I was in, you know, that, yeah, the whole indie rock scene going on at the Ottawa Tavern the last, like, for the last six or seven years. It's kind of dead now, but they had, like, a little thing going on probably from, I don't know, yeah, probably from 2010 to, like, just maybe to 2015, I think. So it's, oh. I think I think thing is kind of, you know, and there's still, like, stuff happening at Frankie's. Like with the kids scene, I don't really know. I you know I don't know what I don't know what the bands are, but I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, yeah, the, the the last band that I was in was we had a project, uh, Uba Tuba. Yeah, I, I don't know if you even heard of that. I don't know if even no. But so we played so a lot. I, but I, I've been gone. I've been gone for ten years now. So well, that's it's been yeah. I, we we broke up ten years. Well, Jeez, it, yeah, yeah, probably right. Maybe you probably broke up right, right when I was moving. So yeah, we played a lot of the Village Idiots and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, yeah. that was fun. It was still the '30s is still doing original music, and uh, if we did do a cover, uh, it was we would do something 
we mix it up, you know. Just, yeah. Uh, hey, he's a, the, the music from one um, band and the lyrics from another type of thing, and just really bastardize it. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Good. Uh, but yeah, that that was the end of it for me, and then I got sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, Boogaloo, Boogaloo's affair broke up a couple of years ago. We had like a that was a good like ten year run probably with that band. So. And we were just playing places like, you know, we playing like the Village Idiot and the Lager House and like uh, in the Ottawa Tavern and stuff like that. So, but, you know, well, you want to wrap this up there? Yeah, well, well that's the question would be, do you think there's ever, huh? do you think uh, there will ever will be a Necros reunion of any sort? Well, no, you know, we did, you know, we we kind of did one in 2010. I don't know if you remember. No, I don't. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't play as the Necros, though. We played as Sorsen, which are oh, yeah. Necros, Necros backwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah we was played that, it was, like, we played at St. Andrews, then a week later we played a, a headline show at Frankie's. So, is that it? Is that going to be the end that's of it? Probably, that's probably going to be it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't think, I think Andy, Andy pretty much retired from performing now. So it's just me and Ron and Barry. Barry's retired from performing. He wasn't going to do it anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Raj. Hey, oh, hey, well, Todd. That's okay, I, though. <laughs> I do appreciate you spending time with me, and hopefully we do it again. No, no and, problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I guess I'm getting to be old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, aren't we all? Yeah, I'm, 40, I'm 49, and it's just like, yeah. I and mean, maybe it's part of it's just being nostalgic, but a part of it's trying to understand a part of my life and what happened. Yeah, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And what well, happened to everything else, you know? Yeah, if you want to do round two, let me know. So. Absolutely. Let's do so, it soon, man. So, sounds good. Cool, man. And if you got, if you have any, uh, you know, anybody that might be game for it, you know, in the scene or from that time. Well, try to uh, I, reach out to Tesco. I'm sure he'd probably. Yeah, I'm gonna wouldn't do mind that. Do, wouldn't mind doing it. So he's usually pretty pretty personable about stuff like that. So, That's, is he still living out West Coast too? He was living out. No, I, no, I think he's. Didn't he live out in Seattle a while, think, or was I it... don't know where they are. Where are they? That they they, they might be back in Michigan. Okay. Actually, I know he he wrote a book a couple of years right. ago. Right. Yeah. And then. They did the they did the touch and go like compilation book of all the fanzines, so which is oh, pretty cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I do appreciate you spending an hour. With you, oh, no problem. Life. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, let me know. Let me know if you want to do it again. Absolutely, man. That's off. Okay, take care. All right, man. Take care, Todd. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Uh, Todd Swallow from the Neck Rose, folks. And, uh, check it out. Todd was a a hero of mine. Back in the day.